Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. From across the galaxy? I can hear you from like several states away. I like your sweater. Thanks. My uh, trusty Pink Floyd sweater. I wear it whenever the temperature falls a little bit. It's oversized. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. I bought it from Target and I didn't try it on when I was there. And when I brought it home, I was like, this is really irregularly shaped and oversized. (laughs) But it was very like comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's how everyone should be. Just be comfortable. Even if you look like crap, just be comfortable. That's right. (laughs) You were trying to make me spit out my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I see you surrounded by your plant friends. Yeah. You know what? Normally I record in my office, but here, let me give you a little taste (gasps) of Florida. Yeah, I was just thinking, I'm in there like all week. I know. And I just nice out today. It's overcast and cloudy. This is my favorite weather, which is so nice. So 90s emo of you. Yeah, I just, I love anything grungy. Yeah, anything that looks grungy, that's what I like. Can you see that? Oh my God. 26 degrees outside, but at least it's sunny. Yeah, the sun makes a huge difference. It makes a really big difference. Would you say it's a humid cold there? No. Because you, no. It's it's kind of an in-between. I don't know. I feel like when it gets really cold in Florida, it feels really cold because it's it's so humid and wet. And so last week it was so rainy and moist. And so the cold just, oh man, it just cut right through up until the last couple of days. Like the sun has not been out for a while so just having the sun out yeah I mean it makes just a tremendous difference but it's not like a dry cold like it would be out west like I remember sleeping in the desert that sounds bad uh when when I was camping (laughs) camping in the desert and the temperature would go down where was your bed sultana I know I know but yeah when the temperature would go down and it was it was cold. It was dry cold, but it was a different kind of cold than Florida. But yeah, this is kind of in between. It's yeah. manageable. Well, hopefully you only have to be indoors. You just get to be cozy all day. Yeah, and then I have to be doing chores, right? <laughs> you don't have servants for that yet? You know, Opal, I, I give her instructions. She just lays around. I have to feed her. It's my cat people. Super, super <laughs> defined. Yeah, they just don't listen. No, they don't. I mean, at least I a have... dog will convince you that they're going to try. No, <laughs> I got four useless animals in this house. <sighs> but yeah, two cats, two dogs, and they're all good for nothing. And I love them. <laughs> Speaking of chores, productivity. Here we are. It's a new year. But is it really new? It's February. It's February. But I think this is the time when people have sort of given up on their goals. <laughs> They're like, well, that uh, 15 pounds I said I was going to lose or that idea that I was going to work out three times a week or I don't know, for some people it's different. It might be like quitting smoking or reducing their drinking or, you know, getting a new job. Who knows? Everybody's right. got their own goals. 
plus with COVID and everything having happened the last couple of years, I feel like everybody's changed things up. But now February hits and you're like, now what? It really kind of begs the question, what is time? (laughs) When does the new year start? Does it really start in January? Because that first month is kind of the adjustment period of like, oh man, we survived last year. Let's, let's just sit and uh, recover a bit. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to care sometimes about it being a new year because you're so bogged down in whatever it is you're doing that maybe it doesn't really impact or affect you. I, I don't know, I've kind of been all over the place with the resolutions and goal settings that have to begin January 1. I usually give myself permission to just take that first month and get a feel for what's showing up. How am I feeling about the newness of it all? Usually by the end of the month or even February, I start getting a better sense of the direction I want to go. So I I don't do a lot of goal setting on January 1. I used to, and I would find myself feeling like a failure by the end of the month. And I hate that feeling. I think that's a really smart strategy because you're coming out of the holidays when, let's yeah. face it, a lot of us have put on weight. I know I did. I gained probably five or six pounds over the course of the last couple months of last year. My mom was also recovering from surgery and I was taking care of her. And, yeah, you know, you don't realize how that impacts you just having to care for another person in that kind of way. But I had to really try to not make myself feel bad about that. And, you know, I did try to enjoy the holidays in the sense right. of, you know, I couldn't celebrate them like I might normally, but you know, I wasn't really watching what I was eating as closely. And yeah. And so, you know, coming into the new year, it's, it's almost like you have to come into like this screeching halt, <laughs> you know, and be like, oh, well now everything changes. And then all of a sudden it turns into a Broadway musical. La, la, la. I don't know. So, it, it just doesn't I, make sense. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I think like with all things, there's a transition period. I feel like January is the birth canal of the year. You just have to uh, transition into it. And sometimes it's painful and sometimes you get beaten up and maybe your head is misshapen. Like any, any number of things could happen and then you're here. So I don't know. I'm very forgiving and I feel like the more pressure you put on yourself, to be a certain thing or do a certain thing, the less likely you you are to actually be successful. The energy surrounding whatever it is you want to invite into your life, whatever you want to change about your life, it has to be something that you can comfortably think about every day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to be able to relieve yourself from the pressure of, of having things fit a certain way. I think even for myself, I had to give myself grace. Last year, I set a goal for myself that I was going to run 100 miles a month. Mm-hmm. And the year before, I had set a goal of running a 1,000 miles in the year. And 
I'm a big believer in Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, which is how people make and establish habits. And she groups people into four different categories. And what ended up happening was she had written this book about happiness hacks and Mm -hmm. people come up to her and say, oh, wow, how did you do those things? And these are like small tips and tricks that sort of just make your life, you know, a little bit better. And she's like, what do you mean? I just did it. And so she realized through this process that everybody is is different in the way that they start, stop, and continue doing things. And so that was where she came up with these tendencies. And when you when you look at them, I'm an upholder, which sounds really great because it's like, yeah, I commit to what I say I'm going to do and I do it. But I think sometimes it's hard for me. Like I get so committed to what yeah. I commit to that I don't know when to stop doing it and when to give myself a break. And so what I found as I've gotten older is that I am much more cautious about what I commit to because I know how I am. Yeah. I don't even go a hundred percent. I go like 110%. Now in my older age, I'm more like, okay, I guess a hundred percent is good. It's okay. I can live with it. But that's where, even with goal setting, I've had to relax back a little bit with how I go about doing that because yeah, that two years ago, I hit that 1000 mile goal last year. Let me tell you, it was hard, but I I did it. I ran a hundred miles every month and there, there were other things I had in my mind too. I wanted to do a triathlon again and I did that and that was really hard, but you know, so this year I've just been noodling. I've been doing exactly kind of what you're talking about. I've been using Mm -hmm. January as an adjustment period and t- yeah. trying to basically figure out like, you know, I moved and so I'm like, okay, well, what is this new life? What is this new space? Establish new running routes. How do I feel in my body? What does my body really need? Do I want to commit to doing yoga every week? Do mm-hmm. I want to commit to other things? And so I'm just letting myself try things out rather yeah. than setting specific things. The one thing that I did do, um, which we can get to in a minute is, and I've done this for the last few years and you have too, you've done it with me. Yay. But it's saying, here's my word for the year. Here's sort of my intention for the year and using that word more as a compass, a North star, so to speak. You touched on something that I think a lot of people struggle with, which is the commitment to action. You're really good at it. You've always been someone I found to be very committed to like, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Mm -hmm. But yes, there is that pitfall of at some point you have to question like, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I still (laughs) doing this? Right. Right. Because sometimes if you just, the only thing that comes to mind is like when people stay in marriages where they're unhappy because they signed the document and they said they would, Mm. sometimes it has to be okay to change your mind yeah or uh, and it's not considered a failure like if you just decide you know what I wanted to do this thing initially and now I don't really want to do it anymore is Mm -hmm. that a failure of the commitment you know or is that being is that being true to yourself and how can you be more kind to yourself and more graceful about going through the process because it's not a perfect process And me personally, I made the decision some time back that if I genuinely didn't want to do something, I wasn't going to do it simply because I feel like the energy that you have when you do 
when you when you do an action, when you do something, is almost more important than the thing you're doing. Oh, you're dropping so, some knowledge. <laughs> like social social things. I am the type of person where if somebody says they want to hang out with me or we make plans to do something and then that day they wake up and they're like, you know what? I just, I really am not feeling like going out. I feel like staying in. I don't want that person to feel obligated to spend time with me if there's something else they'd rather do. And I'm, I'm kind of that way. And I know that that can be perceived as flaky. We've, and I know we've had conversations about this in previous mm-hmm. podcasts, but I think there's a balance that you have to figure out for yourself between honoring what you want and setting goals and commitments that there has to be kind of a way to treat each day as an opportunity to check in. How do I feel about this goal today? Have a relationship that isn't, you know, stagnant where it, where it's not necessarily perfectly steady, where you have, you have an opportunity to be volatile about how you go about it. I, I always think like we're not perfect people. We're, we're meant to expand and contract and adapt to whatever's going on in our bodies or in our lives. And that's not always going to show up perfectly on a scale, you know, headed in one direction. There's a lot of ebbs and flows. So for that reason, I don't necessarily set goals. I think I think more about attitudes. What attitude do I want to adopt this year that I really struggled with last year? Mm. That to me has been, I've been more successful with developing and changing my attitude every year adapting to whatever last year had to teach me. I love that. Yeah. And sure, there are things, there are absolutely things I want to accomplish. And I'll I'll tell you something I did a long time ago that surprised me. I wrote a list. I think it was like a list of 30 things I wanted to do. All kinds of random things were on this. I had things on there about repairing things that were broken in the house. You know, like wow. just a massive to-do list mm-hmm. of things that I felt, how am I ever going to get all of this stuff done? So I was like, let me just get it out of my head and put it on paper. I forgot about that list. Years later, in an, in a journal, an old journal, I opened it up and I saw the list and I had accomplished everything on there. Every <sighs> single thing. And there were things in there that took me like a decade to do. Yeah. But I did it. And it just kind of showed me that life has its own way of guiding you where you want to go. All you have to do is express it. Mm -hmm. You express it and just trust that you get it out of your your mind. You put it down somewhere, like write it down. We all know that there's real power in the written word. Write it down, even if you're the only one who sees it. And just Trust that every day you're going to chip a little bit away off the obstacle preventing you from accomplishing it. That is really powerful. It's amazing how, you know, I've seen this happen too um, in my life with like a vision board. Yeah. 
I feel like I should go grab that vision board, but <laughs> my very first vision board, I, I put all of these things on it, these beautiful pictures. And I must've been like 21 years old. And one of them was like this couch, this very modern looking couch in a big city apartment. And there was a, a wedding, you know, a, a man that was kissing a woman and she looked very happy. And there was a woman who was running. There were all of these pictures on there and places even. Yeah. And it's eerie because I, I had lost it. And then I found it years later. And this was back when I was married. And it was the same thing. In fact, yeah. down to the couch, I had a couch that looked identical to that couch. It was the first couch I had bought. And I had completely forgotten about this vision work. Because again, I was, you know, this was a long time oh, ago. Oh, yeah. And I, but I remember when I found a couch and I had to buy a first time couch, I bought a futon and it was a really nice handmade futon. And I looked at that and I remember when I first constructed that vision board, the things that I put on there felt almost impossible in some ways, but for me, they felt like this is what I want my life to look like. And sometimes we are sitting there looking at our lives and disliking where we're at or even hating pieces of it and just like you said it's energy so rather than spending energy disliking people or things or situations put that energy toward something that you want and if something as simple as like what you talked about a list of to-dos or yeah. doing a vision board and sitting down and saying this is the intention of my life and setting it aside but we're telling a friend this is what I want to do with my life there is power in that. There is power in shifting your mindset. And then even without knowing it, you have communicated to the universe because I believe this. And I know that I'm a little bit of an optimist, but my favorite book has always been The Alchemist. And it's because when when you speak it to the universe, when you say Mm -hmm. it to the universe, the universe is there to support you. So this is the same reason why people who are like super negative and Mm -hmm. say, why does everybody hate me? Yeah. Why can't I keep a job? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Why can't I ever have enough money? They continue to repeat that cycle in a, yeah. it's like self-sabotage in their own life. I mean, I am the living embodiment of, you know, going from poverty to actually being successful. Thriving. Yeah. Thriving in America. And that was through a lot of hard work. Sure. It was through a lot of commitment, a lot of changing a mindset struggle. But, but that is the thing I didn't, when the obstacle showed up, I didn't say, Oh, okay, sure. There was a second where I might've pouted (laughs) and play a little violin, but but then I got over it. I got over it. I put away my little violin and my orchestra set. And, and then I said, and I got about the work. I set my attention and I got about the work and I said, nothing is going to stop me from achieving the life of my dreams because what if this is my one and only wild and precious life like Mary Oliver says if it is then I owe it to myself to be living the life of my dreams and and you're the same you may have gone about things slightly differently but you've always been good about setting your intention and saying it out loud and and you're living it too like you're doing it too I remember you and I having these conversations years ago and You are living the life, girl, (laughs) that you said you wanted, and we're both doing that. It's everyone has their own internal 
mantra, right? Their own internal thing that they chant to themselves every day. That quiet little repetitive thought that like tugs at the string. And that's how you know when you're unhappy, when you feel that tug and you're not getting that need met, it intensifies and gets worse. I remember when I lived in my townhouse, which was a beautiful, beautiful townhouse. And I was feeling so miserable because I didn't have a backyard and I wanted a garden. And I would just think, oh my God, how is this ever going to happen? How am I ever going to figure out a way to buy a house and have a garden and have a backyard, have a space for the dogs to run around? And it felt like a fantasy, but Mm -hmm. I focused so much time on sitting and imagining what it would feel like in my body to open a screen door and watch the dogs run out mm-hmm. and play and plant, you know, strawberries or a mango tree or whatever I wanted. And then it happened. And mm-hmm. I had this moment of like, wow, I had all these things had to happen for me to get here. And the thing I wanted in the big scheme is very simple. And it only affects me, right? It's not something that really affects anyone else. It's just this internal desire that I had that I probably didn't even talk about that much. But that moment where I stood outside and, you know, for the first time and I'm watching the dogs just freely run, you know, like they've never run before off the leash. And I was just thinking, like, I am not thinking about how long I pined for this. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about all the days that I'd have to put clothes on and go outside and walk the dog, (laughs) you know, not being able to plant anything more than an herb garden. Like I'm not thinking about that. I'm just focused on what I have and how, how happy I am. And it, it showed me that you can desire something every day for a long, long time. And then when you get it, you don't think about the time you didn't have it. You're just so happy it's there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe that's not everyone's experience, but it's definitely mine. And it, it really helped me feel like everything is achievable. Everything, you can have all the things that you want, maybe just not at the same time. And and sometimes you just have to wait and you have to really, you know, focus on it a lot and, and desire it a lot before it shows up. Um, and like for you, you have, what I love about your goals is they're very concrete. <laughs> they're very concrete and you're able to parse them out in chunks. And I think that's such a wonderful way to take something really big you want to accomplish and make it achievable on a daily Mm-hmm. on a daily scale, whether that's, you know, wanting to lose weight or get healthier or set fitness goals or set financial goals mm-hmm. or, you know, course correct bad behavior, whatever that is for you, whether it's, you know, an unhealthy habit or an unhealthy mindset. Most of that happens in small, small incremental changes. Yeah. Well, lately, I mean, with the new place I moved into, um, there is an amazing bakery down the street that I could practically walk to. <laughs> and so now <laughs> I have a new goal of I can only visit that bakery 
once a week <laughs> because they make the best buttercream on the planet. Yeah. And um seriously addictive. It is so good. And I I mean, it is it is just so funny how you know, depending on where you're sitting from where you're right. at in your life and like, look at you, you're sitting in your, in your garden space on your lanai yeah. that you helped to dream up. And now you just live there and you're in it. I, I am too. I mean, I, after my mom moved in with me, I mean, I was in a small, like two bedroom, one bathroom condo and, you know, it became really close <laughs> living quarters <laughs> when that temporary stay turned into a longer stay. And so I had to move, I had to move, Yeah, you know, and I was trying to create sort of, I don't say rules, but like ground rules, you know, like when you have a roommate, um, Mm -hmm. like how can we live together in harmony? But ultimately it was just like, it was just not possible in the space we were in. And I was working out of my bedroom yeah. sleeping in my bedroom. I'd set up a small desk in there. It it was just like, I was living in the same room day after day after day. My room wasn't even as big as my old studio apartment. You in the in city. <laughs> so it just wasn't working for me. Right. So yeah, I mean, I ended up having to move and now I'm sitting in a space that is mine. It's, I call it my retreat space because it's on the basement. And so I can't really hear what's going on upstairs, but I have four zones. I've got a little gym zone. I've got a music zone. I've got a meditation zone and I have my office and I'm, and I'm still like sort of setting up these spaces, but like the freedom that I feel in having just my own space. And I realize like, I want to always for the rest of my life, have my own space because when I was a little girl, I didn't realize until I had this space how much this meant to me, but I shared a bedroom with my two sisters. Right. And then until I was 18 years old, I shared a bedroom with at least one sister and a bed. Um, yeah. I never even had my own bed. I didn't have even my own things. I love my sisters, but like, you know, my, especially my little sister, she'd take my clothes oh, and things. Sure. And so, and everything I own was hand-me-downs uh, or yeah. from garage sales. And so I didn't have really anything of my own. And so for me to like have my own space and declare it mine, and it's a place where I can create, it's a place where I can meditate, I can do yoga, I can work out, I can play music, I can work. Right. Um, you know, until I sat in this space, I didn't really realize like, how much it meant to me, mm-hmm. how long I've wanted it. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back. Yeah. I'm just not going back. And there's a part of me that feels like, do I deserve this? How long <laughs> can I keep it? When is it going to yeah. be taken from me? Like those feelings of lack come up. And I think sure. this is with everybody. I mean, I was listening to a conversation with, um, I think it was Abby Wambach and they, they were talking about how, when you reach that peak happiness, uh-huh. there's an immediate point of total depression right afterward yeah. because it's like, what now? What if I lose this feeling? And I that- had that yesterday. Did you? I had, that happened to me yesterday. <laughs> I was, I was in this moment of just sheer joy and I was just over the moon happy. And then. Like something, something happened and it triggered this downward spiral of like, oh my God, what am I going to do if I lose all of this? And I was just, I was like on a 
pile on the couch, just Mm. sobbing, right? Because that is always the the fear of scarcity. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, you got a taste. You got a taste of something that you love. What if it's gone? You know? I think that's such a human human emotion. I think everyone goes through that. And I will tell you, like, one of the best, best things that I did last year was really dedicate a lot of time to focusing on how to be more present. I struggle. I've always struggled with Mm -hmm. being present. I live in the future. I live in the future. I live in the past. I'm constantly uh, evaluating, assessing, dissecting things that have happened to try to understand them from different perspectives. And then I'm always thinking about what's it going to be like tomorrow or what's it going to be like when I have this or, or that or go here or go there or I'm with this person and always in a fantasy. Like I've always been that way. It's just a total daydreamer. And you're constantly ping-ponging between panic and hope. Mm. And I partnered with someone who only lives in the present. Yeah. Doesn't spend a lot of time in the future or in the past. And that comes with its own set of challenges. (laughs) (laughs) But it was such a good, it was such a good example for me. Um, to to model off of and add into my life and I think it was just yesterday we were we were sitting and talking and he was like you know you've come a long way you you really mm-hmm. are so much better now at existing in the present and enjoying whatever is happening in the moment mm-hmm. and that was not an overnight thing like I didn't just say like I'm gonna live in the present no it was it was this awful ebb and flow but I knew it was something I wanted I knew it was something I needed in order to be a little more grounded and balanced and again it was it was the desire to change an attitude an attitude that I had so it's like sometimes you just don't know what you want but you know how you want to feel mm-hmm. and maybe that's all you need in order to, you know, set a goal or set an intention, just figure out like, how did you not, what did you not have that you wanted to feel yeah. and how, what kinds of things will help you feel that way about yourself or your life going forward. It's really powerful. I was, um, I took my first in-person yoga class yesterday in a couple of years and um you know that's was, a big deal <laughs> it was it was in a big yoga studio everyone was spaced out and you know you had to be vaccinated and all this stuff it was it was good um and they had good safety protocols and everything but I just kind of wanted to be in a space with other people and practicing and I felt a little bit nervous because I hadn't done that in a long yeah. time but I also haven't really been doing yoga regularly in a couple of years. I've done a, a couple of like 
shorter virtual sessions with a friend. Yeah, here I was out for the world to see <laughs> in public, <laughs> um, you know, taking this body that, you know, I put on a few pounds and I'm not feeling as good in my body, but I was, I was doing it. And there's this position, Garudasana, which is better known as eagle pose. And you, it's like a bind. You wrap one leg around another leg and you're balancing on one standing leg. And then you wrap your arms into yeah. a bind. And so you're basically all perfectly aligned, rooted into the ground. But what I appreciated about this teacher is in a lot of classes I've taken, when you go into this pose, it's just like they tell you the pose and then they tell right. you, if you if you can't do it, modify it and just put your leg over here. What I appreciated about this teacher was she said, she she guided us into the pose. So she had said, root both your feet, feet into the earth, feel your weight and how it feels against the ground. Really, really feel the relationship between your body and the, and the earth. Now take your one heel and put it up and then tiptoe it easy. One tiptoe at a time, one tiptoe at a time. Right. And then eventually you, you tiptoe around and then you feel your leg wrapping around and then you come up into this position like, you know, like kind of an Egyptian position and yeah. with your arms and, and she guided us into it. And I've always struggled a little bit with getting into this position, like and staying in it because it's hard the to balance. balance. Yeah. The balance aspect is tough. But the way that she did it, and I think it's a lot of what you're saying, if you're hard on yourself and you're forcing yourself, like what we were talking about, slamming from the holidays into, oh, mm -hmm. now I got to be perfect. I got to lose weight. I got to do this in the new year it's inevitable that you're going to either fail or disappoint yourself. Yeah. And it just sets you up for that feeling of failure. And everybody deals with that differently. You know, some people go into a pattern of self-hatred or um, negativity. Some people say, I'm just going to keep trying. Everybody's in a different place with that. But if you set yourself up for success, you do it by a lot of what you're talking about, because life is really about the struggle and you've got to be easy with yourself. And yeah. so I, I appreciated, and that's what I appreciate truly about what yoga is. It's, it's moving in life with a sense of ease. And it doesn't mean that the struggle, that you don't feel the resistance and that you don't feel the struggle and that obstacles don't yeah. come. It means that you deal with those things differently. You don't let them destroy you. You're going to continue to move, even if it's baby step. All of us can look back. Like you're saying, you're sitting on your porch here. And you can look back and see the path that you traveled. And that was not a straight path. It was not linear. Sure. It was winding. Same thing with my career. I was talking with my students the other night and I was saying, this has not been an easy path for me to get here. But what I did was I had my commitment, my intention. And so no matter what happened, I was going to keep moving forward. Yeah. So in that same um, vein, I'll share my word for the year with our, with our listeners. <laughs> um, so my word for this year is unstoppable. I chose that word because there was a lot of difficulty I faced last year with my family around illness. And yeah. I was a caregiver most of the year. I was a caregiver financially, physically. Two members of my family had illness and, and, you know, it was really difficult it was really, really difficult. And there was a lot of trauma coming out of that. And it forced me to reckon with life and with death and with 
my relationship to that, but also where I sit with my own life and what my priorities are. So I recognize that (laughs) this is my life and I have to be willing to make commitments for myself, not just for other people. I I know I can commit to other things for other people and do them. And when someone's depending on you, it's a lot easier to get something done. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, I recognize that it's just who I am. I've always, I grew up being that quiet, dependable, smart girl, and that's a great thing to be, but I'm so much more than that. And I think for me, with where I'm at in my life, I have to be willing to be relentless for myself and stand up for myself. And that's not an easy thing when you're dealing with really big personalities, um, which I have a lot of in my life. And I love the people in my life, but I have to be rooted firmly in the ground for myself first um, before I can give to other people. And so for me, that requires me really getting clear on my intentions and what I want and then putting my energy behind that. And I can still give to others, but I can't pour from an empty cup. And so that's sort of what I'm working with. So would you like to, would you like to share your word? You're going to laugh. I actually don't remember my word. I remember choosing it. I remember telling it to you like a month or so ago. And then I completely forgot what the word was. Really? Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I don't remember what my word was. Thinking about it now, I would say my word is grace. I really feel like because I I do go to those really extreme panicky places, I visit them all the time. And what's interesting is I visit them internally. So on the outside, you can't tell what's what's happening. I'm really good at hiding it. But internally, sometimes I I waver a lot and I go to the, the worst places. So I I really am inviting more grace in my life because last year there were a couple of wonderful things that happened last year, but for the most part, that year can go in the toilet. It was one of the worst <laughs> years of my life. And I was just surviving for most of it. I was just waking up every day going, just put one foot in front of the other. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. And I was going because where I would have, if I had stopped moving, I didn't want to stay where I was. You know, it's like when you're, when you're walking in a a dark, scary place, you know, back in the days when I used to go clubbing. (laughs) this is not the place I want to stop walking I have to keep moving there has to be a better place to stop and fix my shoe I'm not doing it here I'm just going to keep keep moving and that was my that was the thing that I was chanting to myself last year and I felt so clumsy going through going through the year and there was a lot of hardship a lot of um a lot of tragedy, a lot of sadness, a lot of despair. And so this year, I, I, when I think about what the word grace means, a lot of it has to do with the beauty and balance. You know, being able to take something that maybe doesn't 
happen the way you want it to and still be able to hold yourself in a way that you're able to find the beauty in in what that is because there's beauty in everything and there's balance in everything so focusing more on that I think would really help me this year so that was some of the that was some of what I was feeling in January looking back at the year before but I have so many words like they're so it's so hard to just pick pick one sometimes because I'm so moody like you know I'm really moody like one day I'll be like I just want to be the picture of elegance I want to show that nothing affects me and I'm invulnerable and then the next day I'm like I want to be a psychopath and I want everyone to be affected by whatever I do you know like it's just constant chaos but I will tell you, being present last year was was one of the best things I could have done because it it really helped ground me. And I think when I think about this year, I have some challenges ahead. We all we all know what our challenges are going to be for that year. Usually we have an idea of like, okay, the theme of this year is this. The theme of this year is that. We usually will have some idea of what seed has been planted. So I'm feeling very much like I don't want to stress anymore. I just kind of want to let go and have fun. I want to adjust. I, I don't even know how to articulate it. I just want to be free of, of feeling shitty. I just feel like let's do something different. Let's focus on something creative. Let's be more expressive. Let's dance more. There's so many ways to lighten lighten spirit when you just come from heaviness and I think last year for so many of us were heavy it was a heavy year so I want to go into a place of lightness January 1 one of the things I I remember talking I don't remember who I was talking to I think it was one of my yoga instructors I was telling her that I'm having this desire to start reading hands again I haven't read hands for over two years like I stopped about a month before a month or two before COVID hit I just had this feeling like I'm not going to be reading hands for a while and I couldn't explain it as we know with intuition sometimes you just don't know why you feel the way you do you just feel away and I didn't question it I was just like I think I'm going to stop next two years were COVID and I there wasn't an opportunity for me to do that anymore January I felt like well, I'm really feeling the desire to read hands again. And wouldn't you know, so many opportunities have started showing up where I have been asked to read for someone. Last mm-hmm. night I was at a, I was at a friend's house for dinner and I ended up reading, reading hands there. That's and great. It was like, it was so cool because there's that part of me that I was like, do I still know how to do this? Like, do I still have it? You know, like if you, you, if you lose, if you don't use it, you lose it. That whole, that whole (laughs) thing was like, did I lose it? Do I still have it? And I don't know, like the second I took that, that grounding breath before I started looking at her hand, it all flooded back to me. And I was a version of myself I haven't been 
in two years and it was amazing. And it just made me feel like, wow, okay, cool. I'm, I got a piece of myself back just now, which was great. So it's like, I want more of that. I want more lightness. I want more, more connection. And I don't know how exactly it's going to pan out. I don't know what specific things will happen, but I have an idea of how I want to feel. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let that lead me. That's beautiful. Well, I think in so many ways, it's a lot like your sweater, right? Yeah. And <laughs> you think it's going to have to look and fit a certain way. And then, like you said, it becomes, you know, maybe it's oversized, maybe it's misshapen, maybe you don't know how it's going to fit, but you just step into it and you find comfort in allowing yourself the freedom to move in the way that you were meant to. Even if it's not, it doesn't need to be this perfect fit. And there's beauty in the freedom of the movement without forcing something. So, Absolutely. Um, so I hope that all of you listeners out there allow yourself the freedom to feel able to move in the ways that, that you want to. And and I'm so glad that we're that we're recording again. It's so nice to Yay! talk to you. I know. This, this, this is a great way to start my day good. I love you. Love you too.